We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tuesday, August 3rd edition of the RotoWire NFL podcast brought to you by WinBet. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. Here with me, as always, every Tuesday is Jake Letarski. Today's topic uh, show, we're, we're going to highlight a few high profile fades. Again, our understanding, or at least our idea, has been on these Tuesday shows before the season starts, getting some of these newcomers involved in fantasy football, getting them aware of what um, some of the things they might have missed, right? And in this case, I think it's going to be our opinions that we're going to be sharing with you, right? And, and that's what all these podcasts are about, more or less, just kind of going over our opinions of things. And in this case, we'll be highlighting six players, three each, that we really dislike or think their ADP is too high, at least in the case for a few mm-hmm. of my guys. Uh, yeah, very, that, very few players do you know you put on a don't draft list necessarily, right? I always say that there's a price for everyone. So it mostly means don't take these guys at their ADP, but there are a couple that I'm going to start out with that are that are pretty much don't draft players for me. A lot of that's due to recent news. So um, yeah, hopefully we can help you guys. We'll hit some news and notes and then fades is more of a DFS term, I guess. Now that I'm thinking about it, busts, you can call them or, uh, you know, your don't draft list. A lot of, a lot of ways to call this episode. We're getting dangerously close to a couple of drafts starting for me. I famously did 16 drafts last year. I don't think that's going to be the same number this year. It might be under <laughs> that total, but we're we're getting close where I might end up having recaps <laughs> of our drafts for, for some of these podcast mm-hmm. breakdowns, just to give some of the listeners an idea of what the experts go through. And I, Jake, I know I'm, I'm sure a few of your drafts, except for your stupid keeper yeah. that you always talk about, I don't are, know. are probably close to. I think some of these 101 like general shows are better. I, I always operate under the, un, under the guys that, league. that, that Stake nobody league cares league. about your fantasy league though. Like, I don't know. Some of our worst rated shows in history have been draft ABC recap, right? You know? So we try to get you some draft kit type stuff and keep up with the news and notes because I know you guys don't care about our fantasy league that much, even if it is stake league. Uh, see, I, I think the stake league is a must listen podcast every single time, <laughs> but uh, okay. So we'll get to the news and notes before we do that uh, word from our sponsors win. But if there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up folks. I have an incredible offer for you uh, with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBook is now exclusively sponsored for RotoWire's fantasy football podcast WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface money line bets boosted parlays over-unders round robins live betting and so much more at your fingertips want a break from sports betting we can just head to WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette double down on blackjack or even slam the slots 
WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all listeners at RotoWire a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. Great. Got a word from our sponsor, the WinBet. Let's dive into the news real quick here. And I think the biggest one has to be Tyreek Hill dealing with knee tendonitis. Honestly, for a guy that is the size of Tyreek Hill, he doesn't have as many injury concerns as a few other wide receivers. I'm thinking Devontae Smith in particular, right? It's going to be out two to three weeks. We heard listen, Jeff talk about that in yesterday's show. I- I'm surprised to see this Tyreek Hill news only because he doesn't normally get injured. Are you concerned that this is going to impact his value in any way uh, moving forward? Well, you know, I'm not necessarily worried about him being ready for week one and him coming out to play like uh, like Tyreek Hill, like the Tyreek Hill that we're always accustomed to. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just tendonitis. You can manage that pain and whatnot. The reason I brought this note news to the outline outside of it, you know, maybe being a slow news day otherwise is now that Aaron Rodgers is back and, you know, Devonte Adams has his quarterback. Who's the number one fantasy wide receiver? Because for the first, you know, four or five months of draft season, Tyreek Hill was easily number one in ADP. Does that make him the number one receiver? You know, you know, we can argue that that's what this show is for here. But if I filter in the last week, so in the last seven days using the NFFC ADP, um, Devontae Adams is number eight overall in, in ADP. Oh, number eight overall. Put, okay. Interesting. Yes. And that, and that puts him two spots ahead of Tyreek Hill at number 10. Now, is that... Be, I'm not going to say that's because of Tyreek Hill's knee tendonitis. That probably shouldn't have anything to do with his ADP, if I'm being completely honest with you. If you think he's the top wide receiver, he's probably the top wide receiver. If Devontae Adams isn't around and you guys are taking wide receiver heavy in your league, you could take Tyreek Hill at the turn. I couldn't get too mad at you for that. But uh, I'm just trying to reevaluate the position of where Tyreek Hill is at at in the rankings. And uh, he's definitely fallen from number one to number two, really through no fault of his own. Yeah, you have in our breakdown the the astronaut meme, and I always love those. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, generic mm-hmm. things that mm-hmm. you you as a radio, yeah. we're talking about the memes. Yeah, that's the picture itself. It's yeah. It always has been one. Yeah, exactly. I actually disagree. It, I have Tyreek Hill as my number one wide receiver again. I'm doing the Yahoo rankings I'm a, among a few other of our RotoWire colleagues. Uh, I have Tyreek Hill one. I think I'm at ten right now. So you talked about catching the back end of the first round in ten mm-hmm. team leagues. That's entirely possible. You can go ten Tyreek Hill, and then whatever running back in twelve team leagues formats maybe not so much or not possible. I, I I think Hill's explosiveness and upside potential outweighs what Devontae Adams can do. But now that Rodgers is back in Green Bay, Devontae Adams mm-hmm. is clearly number two. And I think that was up for more debate uh, yeah. if Rodgers was not available to play. I, I guess the way that I see it is, you know, Tyreek Hill will be more big play dependent, whereas Devontae is going to get volume from game to game no matter what. And I, okay, it's not necessarily only big play dependent, but his biggest fantasy games are going to be those games for Hill. I'm talking about when he gets, you know, two 60 plus yard bombs. And, you know, if you're, if your league rewards 60 plus yard bombs, then, then there you go. You can have that. Would you, I'm curious, could you see yourself taking them both at the turn if they were available and punting running backs for the first two yeah, rounds? Maybe that's a different podcast uh, where we talk about general strategies. And I know we have mentioned it a few times. I like that. I mean, getting Devontae and Tyreek Hill is to me similar to the guys that take Travis Kelsey in the first round because they want the upper upper echelon of tight ends. It makes mm-hmm. sense to me, but I don't want to roster construct trying to find two running backs in rounds three and later. I need at least one of those guys. Mm-hmm. I don't know a scenario like if I have to really decide between Aaron Jones 
Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, then yeah, I'm probably taking those. But more than likely, there's going to be a Najee Harris or something. And we'll talk about Najee Harris a little bit later in the podcast. There's one of those. <laughs> there's one of those guys that's going to be back into the first round that I'd rather have at running back. So mm -hmm. I'm not going that direction. But I would not fault somebody if they want to. Let's move over to another wide receiver, Kenny Galladay. Possible hamstring injury for the Giants, and they've dealt with a lot of stuff already. Uh, Kadarius Tony, first round pick for them, which was a questionable one at the time. Reserve COVID nineteen list. I think he's back or or was just back. Um, we already know that Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton have their own injury concerns. We have uh, Daniel Jones, whoopsie, uh, turnover guy at, at, at um, sorry, under center. I was going to try to say Manning the helm, and I had to <laughs> stutter my way through that one. There's whoopsie a lot turnover of <laughs> guy under center. Hey, we get it. We get it. <laughs> There's a lot of question marks with the Giants offense, and I think Daniel Jones uh, makes a big impact for that. It's the reason why I had Kenny Galladay already lower my rankings. If there is a hamstring injury already in training camp, are you at the point now where you're fading him? beyond his current ADP? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking in the last uh, seven days again. I kept that filter up from the last time. And Kenny Galladay, 59, you know? I just don't see it. I mean, what, what's going to – is Daniel Jones suddenly taking this big leap? Are the Giants going to suddenly be competent? Is Galladay for sure for sure getting more volume than guys like Shepard and Slayton? Or is it is it a case where three guys get 60 catches situation? I could believe that. I cannot use a fifth-round pick on Kenny Galladay, and I could have very well – I would have maybe put him on my uh, well, I'm, as one of my high-profile fades uh, had the news not come and we get a chance to talk about it now. So uh, it's a huge downgrade at quarterback for him. You know, you kind of go from a, a possible future Hall of Famer to Daniel Jones. Um, you know, the position group's just as crowded in an offense that's, you know, largely stagnant and should be mostly dependent on Saquon Barkley if you can count on any kind of health from him. And it's a soft tissue injury. So you know, he's got a couple days of training camp already. He's missing valuable time to learn the offense, build chemistry with Daniel Jones. We don't know what kind of, you know, this could be two days or two weeks or or longer with these hamstrings. So they can be a little little buggy sometimes too. So, uh, yeah, Kenny Galladay was already going to be borderline on my uh, high-profile fades, and really this only cements it for me. Yeah, I loved Kenny Galladay on the lines, I thought, as the premier threat on that team. It was, it was pretty easy to buy into him, especially with Matthew Stafford throwing there. Yeah, I'm all for it. In this situation, though, with Daniel Jones, who I think is a far lesser quarterback, sorry, list, not that you're listing anyway, but guy dunking your Giants uh, QB, there's no way that the Kenny Galladay acquisition made sense to me from a fantasy perspective. I'm completely out on him as well, even without this hamstring injury. It just makes me easier. I think the unfortunate part is other people might be, and now you're going to see Kenny Galladay fall to, it's kind of like A.J. Green last year. I never drafted A.J. Green, but it was so low that you're like, well, maybe I could roll the dice talk myself into it. Galladay is younger, obviously, and I think a better athlete at that point in his career than Green was, but I'm I'm still going to get to that section where I'm just never drafting Kenny Galladay. I don't know what ADP has to be, like 12th round, and it's, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. not gonna. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it'll be very difficult for me to pull the trigger on that. A lot of uncertainty and definitely downgrades across the board. Yeah, two more wide receivers to know. Back-to-back -back missed practices for Christian Kirk. Now, this is important because the Cardinals' offense – as you can recall, is one of the top ones right now with the additions they've made. Obviously, last year acquired DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald. There was talks about maybe he comes back or not. I don't think that makes much of a difference, but they drafted Rondell Moore. We have A.J. Green, who is supposedly the number two wide receiver. Funny, I just mentioned him before as a uh, dud, I think certainly now with his career in Arizona, that's still the case. But there's the Andy, Andy Isabellas and the Keyshawn Johnsons of the world. They have a pretty deep depth chart at wide receiver. I think any missed time might make a difference for Christian Kirk. But Kirk occupies one of the lone areas, I think, in that offense that 
needs a person. There isn't a lot of depth there. It's that slot receiver. And if Kirk is to move there, we know famously he hasn't in the past. If Kirk is finally transitioning to slot receiver, that could be a big, big boon for his fantasy stock, but back-to-back mispractices for mm-hmm. him. So what's your, what's your take on Christian Kirk? Oh, so the general outlook for him is, you know, you see last year, it was his third year in the league. It was supposed to be, you know, the, the glory breakout year for wide receivers. It didn't really happen because his volume took a big dip. I mean, he played in 13 games in 2019, was targeted 108 times. Then you go to 2020, he was played in 14 games. So actually stayed pretty healthy for most of the year was targeted only 79 times. And what really saved his van, uh, his fantasy value was getting six touchdowns and 48 receptions here. So um, I don't know if they'll go to him, you know, in the red zone or in, in that area of the field as much this year. And they did retool a little bit, but we all know that you can't really count on AJ Green. And, you know, obviously if I'm taking, if you're looking at Kirk against Rondell Moore, Keyshawn Johnson, Andy Isabella, uh, Kirk seems more likely to see the field than any of those guys, obviously, as their depth charts would say. So I don't mind him as a late flyer in uh, best ball formats. Of course, if you're doing a best ball draft today, necessarily, then, uh, you know, you might want to wait and see what that injury is. But at 174 ADP over the last week, that puts him in the range of Paris Campbell, Jameson Crowder. Um, let's see here. Jacoby Myers. I'm OK taking him there. Yeah, I agree with you of those names. I know Mario Puig is a, a huge stan of Paris Campbell. And obviously now with this Carson Wentz news, I think that has to be a downgrade across the board. A, across the board for the Colts. And we'll talk about a few of those guys as well, too, in this fading podcast. But interesting to note with Christian Kirk, the last one, Debo Samuel, dealing with some sort of muscle tightness. Now, this is tough. I I liked Debo Samuel last year as a guy that you could get in rounds nine and later. You knew he was going to miss the first four, five, six games of the season. But this is still the number one target for the Niners and pretty clearly the number one target. He had pretty productive games last year, 11 catches, 133 yards against the Rams, followed up against the Bills with a six-catch, 73-yard performance. You know he's going to be the factor, like the premier factor in that offense. I it's Kittle, obviously, and you don't want to spend a second yeah. or third. I was going to I was going to stop you right there, almost well, like Kittle is the premier factor in that offense, right? And then there's the the running game, but I think from a wide receiver perspective, it's Samuel and then everyone else. But I actually think it's one of the weird situations where you talk about backups at running back. You want to draft the backup wide receiver and Brandon Ayuk, kind of like the Titans, where there's a, a pretty limited or small target share. I think the Niners have the same type of thing, although. They're going to be, I would imagine, a bit more pass heavy than the Titans. So, where are you with Debo Samuel um, and his and the concern with his injury mm-hmm. and his long injury history? Yeah. So, first, I'll start with how the markets reacted. I mean, Brandon Ayuk is 56 overall in ADP over the last seven days. That actually surprises me a little bit. And Debo Samuel is down at 84. Now, conventional thinking would maybe lead you to go the other way, especially with all the steam that Debo Samuel has gotten and. I mean, Debo Samuel's still only 25 years old. This will be his third year in the league. There's plenty of room to grow in that. Um, and then you've got uh, Ayuk, you know, six feet, 200 uh, pounds, made a pretty good uh, – t- physically, Debo's a little bit more imposing than Ayuk, which also defies conventional thinking. That's not quite exactly what I uh, pictured in my head. But uh, I don't know. I like what I saw from Ayuk a little bit last year. I don't know – the quarterback situation exactly you know you got Garoppolo um, I know Jeff and Liz talked yesterday about him being or how he should be a trade target for the Colts and then you got Trey Lance who's a, a, an unknown so you got average to unknown and no matter where these guys are at they're playing second fiddle to George Kittle ha huh, I wasn't even trying to do that anyway I'm just I guess I'm not bullish on 49ers receivers period I mean the way it is that offense wants to run the football and uh 
I get, you know, they both have upside and, and breakout potential. So I wouldn't go as far as to have zero exposure. I'd, one or two drafts, I'll probably try to get one of each here. But more more than to cover my bases would be the reason for that than for any reason that I'd be excited about that. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I can see it's funny that we, you know, Debo's number one on the depth chart. Everyone's waiting for his big breakout to come. Ayuk's currently getting drafted higher. And, you know, I, I guess I don't really have much more to say than that. Yeah, and I would rather have Samuel than Ayuk, and I think it's like a definitive situation again. Ayuk around 63, I think, at least in terms of overall drafted players. And you're talking about, um, wait, where was the ADP well, on Samuel? In the last seven days, yeah, Samuel yeah. was down at 84. So you okay. got his you got his injury history and the practices that he's missing, kind of messing with that number a little bit. I got to okay. go back to the, to the overall here. Well, I mean, it just stands to your point that if you are interested in the Niners passing game, you have to be mindful of what this news will be for uh, Debo Samuels. Again, I'm of the opinion if I'm going to be stacking an offense, I kind of like the idea of going ahead and drafting a Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. If you can get Kittle in round two or three, that's a different conversation too. Now, this is more of best ball things, right, as opposed to a standard draft. I'm not going that direction, um, but I know Mario's been doing a, a ton of fun articles on like what, what would it cost to do some certain stacks. That mm-hmm. would be an interesting one for me because the quarterback position, whether it be Garoppolo or Lance, costs almost nothing to go ahead and kind of accumulate that together. And I'm I'm of the opinion Garoppolo is there the entire year, whether it's the Colts or somebody else. Nobody wants to pay that contract yeah. this I, season. I'll, one quick thing I want to add is uh, I think it's about time we get some listener best ball leagues going. So uh, watch our twitters this week for some uh, for some links here. You know we got to we got to go head to head against each other and you know do our <laughs> thing. We'll do some five ten dollar leagues that anybody can get in on here. So. Yeah, definitely stay tuned for our Twitter on uh, one of our sponsors, Underdog, that will uh, that will host take care of us and host in our best ball needs. I, I know I got a good friend, Brad, listing. Brad, you got to sign up for that best ball league. Others out there, go ahead and sign up for the best ball league. I'll destroy you in that one like I destroy you in every other fantasy league. And same with you, Drake. Uh, up to Jake. I decided to make you Drake. If we had Drake in a, in the a best good Drake league, or the bad, fantastic. you know, that'd be fantastic. Kenyon right. Drake, too, is going to be in this one. Yes. Okay. All right. Bad puns aside, let's go ahead and get a word from our sponsors, Dynasty Owner. Are you tired of the same old fantasy football leagues that get canceled after a year or so? If so, Dynasty Owner has your back. Go to dynastyowner.com. New leagues for the 2021 season are forming now. Dynasty Owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office by incorporating a salary cap and real NFL player salaries for diehard fantasy football fans that want the real GM experience. Dynasty Owner adds a whole new level of strategy. Are you worried you won't be able to find anyone to play in your league? Uh, Well, don't worry. Fantasy Owner, I'm sorry, Dynasty Owner has got you uh, covered and will help you fill your fantasy football enthusiasts with like or will help you fill the league with fantasy football enthusiasts like yourself. My God, mush mouth happening here. You won't have to worry about finding enough players. You can just choose to start a league, join an existing one, or purchase a team from a previous owner. If you're serious about joining the big leagues, go to dynastyowner.com and start your dynasty today. I'm in a dynasty owner league. Jerry Don Obedience in as well one as well too. Um, we had Jeff actually on with the owner of Dynasty Owner last week as well in this very same podcast network. I will say only thing I dislike about that platform. Why are we playing two kickers? I, I feel like we're going the d- different direction. There's a two kicker league with Dynasty Owner. Uh, I want to play no kickers. That'd be my only complaint. Otherwise, love Dynasty Owner. And I love, I really do, right? It's in the read, the strategy format. I really mm-hmm. do like uh, managing that cap salaries and everything else. It feels a lot like Madden playing fantasy football, and I'm a huge Madden guy. So mm-hmm. I'm all for that. Let's get to the theme of the show, right? The high profile fades. Jake and I both have three players that we picked out of the top 180p or close to it. Sorry. You're going to break that first one uh, close to a top 180 P who we think are just completely being overdrafted or 
uh, at least we want to fall farther than what they currently are going. So I think without further ado, Jake, I'll let you go ahead and discuss your first guy. All right. You know, I'm not being super bold with this first one. I'll admit that it's pretty mild first and, you know, they'll get spicier as we go along. I think I put a real spicy one at the end, so hopefully it makes up for it. But given the news, you know, you heard, listen, Jeff talk about the, uh, the Carson Wentz news yesterday. Um, I am ready to move. T.Y. Hilton from a player I was hardly interested in at all to a player that's basically off my draft board entirely. And there are a few reasons for that. Obviously, you got five to 12 weeks for Wentz. Whatever the hell that means, who who knows? But it looks like Jacob Eason's going to get the first shot. No experience here. Going to play two quarters in the upcoming preseason game here. Um, Let's go back to T.Y. Hilton, though. In case you guys forgot, it took him until week 12 of last season to get a double-digit PPR game. It's basically fantasy purgatory when you have T.Y. Hilton on your roster. Now, we're the free agent podcast, right? We're going we're gonna to do ads and drops all season long at all positions. But part of the one of the hardest parts about running a free agent podcast is figuring out who to cut. And when you have a player in fantasy purgatory like T.Y. Hilton on your roster, he just sits there. You can't start him. You can't sell super low because nobody wants him in a trade but you feel like you just can't quite cut him either. So he's sitting there stuck on your roster, limiting your flexibility when making moves here. And, uh, you know, a couple more points I had down here. Uh, you know, the system, even with Wentz, was going to be designed for short passes here. It's a running, and now the team the team itself is just running game and defense. So, you know, there's not that much in there. You know, maybe Michael Pittman can succeed in that short pass offense, you know, get a lot of slants here. But, there, you know, whether when Wentz comes back, whether it's Eason, I don't see them looking for, for uh, T.Y. Hilton down the field at all. He struggled in the past when his primary quarterback has gone down. He's 31 years old, you know, so you're kind of starting to hit the end of that prime. And last but not least, to drive this point home here, I'm going to throw some players out there that are nearby him in ADP. And at this point, you're looking to fill one of the last few spots in your draft here. And I know a lot of people are going to be comfortable, you know, maybe someone who strolled in and didn't really prepare, hasn't been listening to our podcast, is going to, you know, kind of go to those old names that they're comfortable with. But in place of him, you could maybe get, you know, in this same rough range, Nicole Hardman, Jalen Rigor, Henry Ruggs, Adam Troutman, tight end from the Saints. I mean, these are guys I know that you, that you might like, but these are guys that can actually have game-changing high upside. You know what you're getting with Hilton. Even in your perfect scenario, you're still probably getting 60 catches for a thousand yards and six touchdowns. And you know, that's you know, a top two, three, four percent outcome of him. So, you know, I just wanted to, to to again take a chance to mention the Carson Wentz news and what it does to the Colts offense. I just think that in a 10 team league, he's undraftable for T. Y. Hilton, and I'd probably say undraftable in a 12 team league as well. Yeah, it's interesting, especially with Wentz out, right? If it's Easton or anybody else. The deep threat more than likely is gone out of that offense, and even if it's a, uh, even if Wentz comes back middle of the season, I think that's an optimistic viewpoint at this at this point. It's still a situation where it's not like Wentz was all that great of a deep ball thrower as is. I'm I'm mm-hmm. completely there with you. Uh, there's not a point where I'm really going to be drafting him as well. And I know somebody else. It, it's not like AJ Green. I, I bring that up not twice. Mm-hmm. It's not like AJ Green where Green's skill set is just diminished by any means. Or, well, Hilton's is not. Green's was. I do think there's a talented player there, but it's the scheme at this point factored into what Hilton normally does in that offense where I just don't, I, I don't think it's possible. Is that kind of what you're saying? Or are you just, yeah, you're out oh, I mean a little bit of that. And I just like, 
Yeah, I don't know what his future holds at 31. He, without the injury history, he reminds me of at least a, a trajectory we can, you know, let. It's funny you brought up AJ Green because that's kind of what I was thinking in my head when I was jotting down a lot of these points. But there's just minus the indus, ind, injury history. I mean, he's back in Indy on a one year deal. That means they, even the organization he came up in, didn't have a ton of confidence in him. I mean, he's got, you know, almost a decade in the league here. He's, he's had, He's been grinding for a long time, and I just don't think the circumstances this year are going to be good for a player like him, and I'm about, I'm ready to scratch him off the draft boards entirely. All right, so that's obviously – well, that's the only option out of the top 100 that we, we have listed, I think, right? You, mm-hmm. you decided to kind of cheat your way out of that one with T.Y. Hilton. I'm going to go a completely different direction with my first guy that I'm fading completely. It's Travis Etienne. Current ADP is at 43. I guess I haven't done like the the – last seven day thing that you were doing but he's around running back 22 right now that's being drafted guys in that range at least on the nffc formats it's amari cooper who we're going to talk about a little bit too spoiler uh chris godwin julio jones lamar jackson dak prescott deontay johnson dj moore running backs drafted after etn specifically james robinson ironically kareem hunt uh javante williams Cam Akers, who obviously will be done for the year, so he's not being drafted. And then you have to scroll all the way down, probably a round or two more to get to Miles Gaskin. So I understand, with all that being said, those running backs, we're talking a pretty low bar. At that point already, ADP 43, that's in a 10-team league right around round four, round five. Mm-hmm. Backup running backs are guys that are going to be splitting time. All those running backs yep. I listed are splitting time or, or sharing it. Maybe Miles Gaskin not included of that group. That's a little bit troubling, and I understand the upside for Travis Etienne is insane, especially if they do get rid of James Robinson. Why would Jacksonville trade Travis? Why would they trade James Robinson though? If they haven't already, if the Falcons or I don't know the Chiefs or somebody like that haven't already called, offered a fourth or third round pick for a guy that's in an undrafted rookie contract for the Falcons who are in asset collecting mode at this point. We we saw with Julio Jones. Then at what point are they going to be trading James Robinson? None. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's there's no point where James Robinson seems to be moved. So if that's the case and it's Robinson, Robinson and ETN sharing the backfield, I'm concerned about fourth round value value for him. I get it. The Clemson factor working with Travis uh, with uh, Trevor Lawrence. That's fine. I understand having the teammates there. We saw that with Andrew Luck and Kobe Fleener in particular. Uh, and that marriage was pretty good for as long as Fleener's career was. And I know Luck retired shortly after. I just don't see a scenario where ETN's even getting close to that value. And I look at uh, specifically in the RotoWare Online Championships, we did the Chris List, beat Chris List uh, draft number two. He wrote about an article on it, and he took ETN in the third round. I think that was pick 34, if I'm doing my math correct. After him was Allen Robinson, Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, Josh Jacobs, Mike Evans. So even earlier than what we're talking about here, Every one of those guys has way more upside. In fact, the list was able to take Miles Sanders in round four, and I like Miles Sanders more than I like ETN. It, there isn't an upside play for ETN at his current price, and I think he's only going to rise higher because we're all excited about drafting rookie rookie guys, and mm-hmm. maybe the workload's going to be insane for him if they get rid of James Robinson. No, absolutely not. I, I think I'm drafting ETN around six, seven at that point, and there's no way he ends up falling to there. So I think mm-hmm. I'm going to be completely out on him. And and I think there's mistakes that are being made quite a bit. If you're trying to suppose ETN is getting, uh, I don't know, 75, 70% of the workload, which is what I think has to make sense to get drafted at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sneak peek for later on. I mean, uh, I'm averse to rookie running backs in general. And, you know, maybe <laughs> some of that is uh, some recency bias here, but like uh, the only league that I took 
I had zero Clyde Edwards shares last year. He turned out to be kind of a bust for his ADP. I mean, he was he, you know, everyone expected the world of him going into that into that um into that offense being the guy. Didn't really pan out for the most part. You know, Jonathan Taylor ended up being pretty good. He was uh kind of a slow start though, and he needed the injury to really, really solidify himself there. And uh the only league I took him in last year was a dynasty league. And, you know, I'm pretty happy with that now, even with the the whole situation going over there in, in, in Indy. But yeah, you know, a rookie running back with somebody that is already established and plays for an offensive line that Rotowire ranks number 21 out of 32. Um, you know, so it's a bottom half offensive line with a rookie with it, some actual positional competition and a rookie quarterback on top of that. So I see where you're going from. I don't know. I could get talked into taking him in the fourth, late fourth round because of FOMO, like late in draft season because I didn't get any, but it, you're right. He's not a player I'm aggressively targeting. Uh, let's go to your next player on the list then. Who you got? Yeah, I got another receiver uh, queued up here for you guys. And uh, that one is Adam Thielen of the Vikings here. His ADP is 51. That makes him wide receiver 21. So really he's somebody that you're counting on for a wide receiver two in your league. Uh, something that'll have to be a fifth round pick to get him. Um, you know, let's just go, let's take a round table around the roster here. Uh, Kirk cousins, I wouldn't call him a top half quarterback and he's definitely not trending in the right direction. So there's something to, uh, you know, there's a box in the wrong direction. If you're doing a pros and cons chart, he's also anti-vaccine, which we've already seen pop up, uh, in the past <laughs> week here with the reserve COVID-19 designation too. just worth pointing yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole quarterback room's going to be on that list right now because, you know, they were, so I I don't know, maybe he'll get some immunity after that. Actually, if anything, you probably want them getting it now instead of later on. So, you know, to make sure you're fine for your season, who knows, dude, I'm not a scientist. I'm not even going to try to speculate on that. Anyway, moving on here, keep, keeping going around the roster, Justin Jefferson, you know, I think he's worthy of his ADP. He's the clear wide receiver one there. There is a change into the guard. It's uh, almost like Devontae Adams creeping in on Jordy Nelson. You know, this is happening and it's happening now. I would predict with a high degree of certainty that Justin Jefferson, you know, barring injury, of course, you have to qualify it, will lead the team in targets, catches, and yards. A uh, little question about that in my mind. Next, keep going around the horn. Delvin Cook, this is a run first team. The Vikings were number seven in run percentage in 2020. They were number three in run percentage in 2019. They'll be right up there with the Ravens and probably the Colts now, I guess, in teams that have the highest rate of running the football here. So, again, that limits themselves to, uh, you know, to less opportunities there when most of the other 50% of that are going to be going to Justin Jefferson. And last but not least, I pulled this one out of – out of Jerry's overvalued in the magazine here, which I thought was interesting. I didn't really think of that. Um, as Jerry points out in the mig, last year, 14 of Thielen's 74 receptions were for touchdowns. He's the anti Julio Jones. It's an unsustainable touchdown uh, catching rate here. So that's going to fall down to reality. Cook's going to get more of those. Jefferson's going to get more of those. It'll even out. And if his fantasy value isn't propped up by uh, by that, then I just don't think he's going to have enough to, to really live up to a fifth round ADP pick. He's 31 years old himself, just like T.Y. Hilton, like I mentioned. I think it's safe to say he's on the downswing of his career. Now he's got a new, uh, you know, a lead guy in town. And, uh, you know, the, the way that this team is built doesn't necessarily uh, lend itself to super high Adam Thielen volume this year. So I'm not quite sure he's going to hit value. Way to cheat and use that magazine as a resource backup. Mm-hmm. I wrote in that in that specific column, and I'm not using any of my guys from that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like patting myself on the back. I I went go ahead and unique and still added more guys that I wasn't going to draft. 
Yeah. Right. Hey, all power to you here. I'm just I'm trying, trying to get... tease you. And you're like, yeah, whatever. You yes. dumbass. Okay, yeah. Cool. Like, okay. Sounds next good. guy. Next guy. Who you got, Joe? Right. No, no, no. So <laughs> reinforcing your Adam Thielen point again, he also is anti-vaccine. And, I, and I'm not bringing this up in any other way other than he could miss time. And I think when you're debating between players, that might be a reason why I go a different direction. If there's somebody that could miss time and you can miss time for a lot of other reasons. Just saying that that's we're going to put that one. as a column on our cheat sheets now, like a green or red light for vaccinated, non-vaccinated, just like bye weeks. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah. yeah I, I guess it could happen. They, he could be more prone to missing time, you know, as opposed to some other guys, you know, maybe uh, the, we'll the see. Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams comp, I thought was a really good example. And again, Justin Jefferson kind of emerging as the guy and Kirk Cousins, I thought gained a lot of confidence in his rookie wide receiver, now second year wide receiver towards the end of the season. So that's good. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a really good point to make with Adam Thielen. Before I get to mine, let's go ahead and get a word from our last sponsor, Auto New. I love this format, so I'm excited. Auto New Fantasy Football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like a real GM. It's better than fantasy football, auction-based, deep rosters, and includes college player prospects. Stash the next rookie of the year while he's still tearing it up on Saturdays. You can trade for superstars to make a championship push, and you can develop a team over multiple years. Play against the best fantasy football competition on the internet. Visit O-T-T-O-N-E-U, autonew.com today to get into that action. I'm in two of those leagues. We have a RotoWire specific one, and then we have an expert one. I've been loving it. Um, I think there's a lot of strategy involved in getting cheap college prospects. The price gets bumped up each year by your own uh, league members. So there really isn't a lot of that uh, keeper, I feel like, fatigue when it comes to price tags. Uh, which makes it a lot more fun. So I'm all for auto new. I love that format. Um, and I think it's going to be a great one that people haven't quite figured out yet. So check those guys out. We'll get another uh, word from our sponsors, Blue Wire here uh, in a second. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. Uh, breaking down some of the high-profile fades to come, I think, at this point. We had mentioned Adam Thielen for you. 
Jake, you also mentioned T.Y. Hilton. You cheated and decided to go outside the top 180p. That's fine. I, I don't remember that being a rule. I just you know, I made that, that rule right there. now. How dare you uh, not be able to <laughs> okay, just adjust to that while we're doing the podcast? Well, I put an honorable mention at the end that we can that we can touch on briefly. That's kind of it's kind of also a cheat that builds on previous shows, but you know we'll get there. <laughs> all right, so you're just going ahead and, and scheming your way through all these. That's fantastic. Well, I'm mm-hmm. not doing that. I went the route of Travis Etienne. It's one of my biggest guys that I'm fading right now. I narrowly stayed in the top 100. Logan Thomas is my second guy that I'm fading. Uh, his ADP is currently at 97. He's tight end nine among the group. And I think that's really where the crux of my argument lies is that you look at the tight ends that are being drafted after him at the moment. Uh, we have Tyler Higbee, of course, the lone tight end with the Rams right now. Robert Tunyon with the Packers, Mike Jasicki, Irv Smith. Those are your top four guys after. I still love Adam Troutman. Uh, you could definitely talk to Blake Jarwin, although his injury history uh, or at least the injury that he had in training camp here makes me a bit more concerned. And then there's the there's everyone's favorite Anthony Ferkser filling in now for Johnny Smith in Tennessee. I I can make a case for each one of those guys, and their ADP is talking tenth round or later in ten team formats. Whereas if we're drafting Logan Thomas, I might have to take him in rounds six, seven, eight if I really want. And Washington has drastically improved their passing options. Right? It's not the JD McKissick. Logan Thomas offense altogether. Now you have Curtis Samuel. You have another year of Antonio Gibson, who will hopefully be factored in more in the passing game. You have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who likes to throw it downfield. You have Terry McLaurin, who's going to be a factor as well, too. And then you add a couple of guys that I think can be really good underneath targets uh, in that passing game. And it's shaping up to be an offense that will not have to rely on Logan Thomas getting 130, 140 plus targets this year. Adam Humphreys, Diami Brown, I think are going to be your, your two underneath targets for that Washington offense. Great that he signed the extension, a former quarterback turned tight end, having the year that he did with 109 targets last season and kind of emerging as that guy towards the latter half of the year. He had weeks four and five, just one catch a piece. I, I think you're going to see Logan Thomas kind of fall or, or fade into the background of those tight ends. And I'm completely out on him as a tight end nine, especially if guys in that 10 through 14 range mm-hmm. can take the jump that we think they're going to take. Yeah, I'd love to find someone that we both strongly disagree on here, but I'm kind of with you here. You know, I'm not taking him off my draft list entirely, but this is a don't hate the player, hate the game scenario for me. And I just did. I think Thorne in his magazine, can you tell I read the magazine recently? In his magazine article, I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but I think he said the difference between tight end eight and tight end 16 last year was like 15 fantasy points in standard formats. It's minuscule, right? So why would you, if you're thinking about drafting tight end eight, tight end nine, even tight end 10, where uh, Logan Thomas is, why not just punt the dang position, right? Or take one of your upside guys that you like, but why not just punt the dang position and try to figure out uh, a guy via free agency that suddenly breaks out or wait, wait for the next injury. At least, you know, heading into every waiver wire week, I need to be looking at tight ends. Who's the breakout tight end? Who can I get early necessarily? You know, if you miss the top tier guy and maybe you miss your your Hockets and Pits tier in the middle here, you're waiting till the end. I don't think you should feel any pressure at all to reach up and overdraft, you know, someone at his position. So, you know, the organization likes Logan Thomas. They, of course, they, they put their stock behind him with the big contract extension. So, you know, you don't necessarily, you don't necessarily, uh, I mean, so that's just a good thing. It's a point in his favor, I guess is the point I'm trying to make here. But uh, overall, like I said, don't hate the player, hate the game. It's just that not the tier I want to be stretching in. All right. Give me your third and final guy that you're fading for sure among the top 180 P. Yeah. You know, 
I promised I'd be spicier here, and I'm going to hopefully here come through with this. I know in one of the shows that we did earlier this season, I said, you know what? Yeah, I can see Najee Harris. He's the number one guy on a Steelers offense that has plenty of weapons and could be surprisingly good uh, with Big Ben. But, you know, I was talking it over, and I was looking it around, and, uh, you know, I mentioned the offensive line rankings earlier when you were talking about uh, ETN, and uh, it was actually Eric Couture that turned me on to this. He's like, Hey, look at our offensive line rankings. Steelers are number 31 out of 32 teams. It is bad. The situation is bad there. And, uh, I mean, right now, let's see. I put some notes here. You know, Marquise Ponce, Alejandro Villanueva, Matt Feller, DeCastro, all those guys are gone, right? Now the offensive line, you know, Oak or Rockefeller, Dotson, Greed, Turner, and Banner starting. Some of them are a little banged up. This is not good, you guys. Uh, and that actually starting to make me worry about Big Ben a little bit more as well. And not to mention, you know, I had this whole conversation, you know, when you were talking about Etienne, I, 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 I kind of used some of my notes that I had for uh, Harris to talk about rookie running backs. And, like, if you didn't put a name behind this guy, if you, if you said RB8, right, and you told me he was a rookie and this is where he was going, uh, fortunately the ADP is caught up a little bit though. So he is no longer a first round pick. I saw him even in our Vegas drafts, or I, I guess not the ones, the, the draft boards I saw that were out in Vegas. Um, even, even there, he was a first round pick in some of these. I can't see him as a first round pick. And at ADP 17, I have a tough time, uh, going with him in the second round as well. Guys like Eckler, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, even Antonio yeah, Gibson have all, have all passed him. And uh, I'd rather take, especially Aaron Jones with Aaron Rodgers back. And I'm starting to warm up a whole lot on, on Antonio Gibson, you know, as a multifaceted potential breakout player here. I always love Nick Chubb. You know, uh, Cream Hunt doesn't scare me a little bit. So when you're looking around that tier of running backs, I just have no interest in uh, pulling the Najee Harris string, I guess, before uh, those guys. And uh, the offensive line really is what cemented. I was wary to begin with. But, you know, for some of those reasons I mentioned at the beginning when I was trying to play devil's advocate, I thought, okay, maybe I could see myself doing it. But, you know, the offensive line point really drove it home. It's a unit that's probably going to struggle. And, and that just means bad news for a rookie running back. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned um, it, – it's funny you mentioned the, the the list of guys after, right? Like, I, I would absolutely take in a full-point PPR league Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is a mid-first, late-first full-point PPR uh, guy mm -hmm. for me at this point. I think Antonio Gibson, I'm, I might go the Najee Harris route, but I'm not going to be upset if anybody else goes Antonio mm -hmm. Gibson. I completely understand. I love DeAndre Swift more than Najee Harris at this point. Yes, the Lions offensive line stinks just as bad, um, but I do think Swift will be one of only two guys in town and the other being TJ Hawkinson. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll take Swift over him too. Yeah. I, I mean, what about that. Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins? I'm thinking about wide receivers right. at I that mean, there's, point. There's so a like... lot of other guys that would push – Harris out of the first round, no matter what I care about roster construction, you talked about Devontae Adams at number eight, Tyree kill falling a little bit after that. Mm -hmm. There's only 12 picks probably at most in first rounds. I don't think Harris belongs in that conversation. So mid second round, late second round, that becomes a different conversation point for me. I love JK Dobbins. Uh, and, and I famously took him in the first round in our standard league, uh, magazine draft, much to the chagrin of a few guys that were drafting in that magazine as well. I, I, but if Dobbins is falling to the third round, I'll just wait, right? Like I, I can wait to go ahead and get a guy, a guy like Dobbins. So mm -hmm. that's an interesting name. I would have, I, my first thought was no, actually this is the one that we disagree on. I would definitely have Najee Harris as a late first round guy, much in the same way we were always drafting Joe Mixon in the back end of the first round. Well, yeah, the Bengals stink. They're offense line horrible, but Mixon's going to get a ton of work. And I think the same applies for Najee Harris. But when there are those other guys that you mentioned right around that range, what's the point? I, I completely agree. Najee Harris, 
out of the first round for me. And I think his ADP at, cur- at currently at 17 yeah. probably falls a little bit further. Yeah. The high stakes leagues and players have definitely caught on to this eventually. And I think it's time the rest of the public does. So that's what we're here for. Yeah, exactly. My last guy that I'm fading, Amari Cooper, ADP currently at 44, wide receiver 16. It's funny. We talk about guys after ETN, those running backs. Cooper was a part of that conversation as players drafted after 44. Really what I'm learning from the, the studying the ADP at the moment, if I'm going to be roster constructing, the quarterback ends up being what I'd likely draft round five, whether it be Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, maybe Josh Allen falls significantly, uh, Dak Prescott, are all in that range. I'm going to be taking a quarterback in round five or round late four because I don't like any of these options afterwards. ETN, the other running backs, maybe Kareem Hunt was fine. But Amari Cooper, wide receiver uh, 16, does not make a lot of sense to me. He's on the pup list and expect to come back soon. But when it comes to Dallas, unless they are passing significantly to the same rate that they were pre-Dak Prescott completely mangling his ankle last year, what are we projecting for a CD Lamb and Michael Gallup, who have both been mentioned on many popular podcasts as the top options or guys that are going to be breaking out for that offense? And then there's the Blake Jarwin uh, factor, too, that I think is going to be a major thing. Chris mm-hmm. Godwin, Julio Jones, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, Cooper Cup, all being drafted at the point. Ironically, I'm taking Amari Cooper before the guy you mentioned, Adam Thielen. That's the cutoff. Sure. for the wide receivers yeah but, but you're looking still at around falling mm-hmm. yeah but you're looking at cooper yeah 44 to what 51 yeah so yeah he's still still falling i i mean i i hear you on that for sure it's just there's three very very talented receivers here and i think michael gallup was underutilized and has been underutilized the one thing about amari cooper for me though is uh you know he's been in the league since 2015 He's still only 27 years old. He should theoretically be in his athletic physical prime here. Granted, he gets healthy from that ankle injury. Um, and, you know, back-to-back years for Cooper playing 16 games, that's encouraging a little bit too. So uh, I would definitely rather have Cooper than Thielen. I'm not going to argue with him on that. But I don't know. I think it's a price that I may be willing to pay. See, we get in a real tough territory here when we're looking at Julio Jones, Chris Godwin, Deontay Johnson even in PPR right around the Cooper range. So you talk about um, like stake league and guys that I'll throw out there. And this, again, we've done the strategy mm-hmm. before throwing out players to go ahead and have the money put on them. Amari Cooper will absolutely be one of those names that I throw it on the stake league auction, just mm-hmm. so that I don't have to have it. And somebody will still spend 30 bucks on it. Maybe it sets a, a place marker for some of these other dudes, which could be helpful information as well too. But I'm whether Cooper goes off or not great. I don't care. I think the injury concerns plus whatever Dallas offense looks like, has me completely out. And I also think if Zeke is as in shape and looks as great as the Cowboys think he does, then that's another factor in that offense that's going to take away targets from Cooper, no matter how great Dak Prescott might be from this injury. So yeah, I like, I like your way of looking at that. Uh, you know, you can call them fades or busts or, or overvalued type players, but you can also say players that you'll nominate early in an auction. Now, one thing I've noticed about auctions over the years is the first guy that gets nommed almost always is a little bit of a value because people are a little bit gun shy, at least in most of the rooms I've been in. So hopefully I end up with the fifth or sixth nomination this year and can throw out Najee Harris because you want to drain. You want to drain. Yes. You want to drain that budget out there and you know, somebody, well, what you really need is you need two people to really want Najee Harris, right? You can't have one person that really wants him. He needs a, he needs a companion. He needs a bidding war partner. So, uh, so yeah, that's just a fun little auction strategy one. I know we've done some auction strategy ones in the past. Maybe we can recycle that one of these weeks here. But I do like the idea this week of uh, of going with the fades. And I know I know I was a little I was a little uh, shady on this. I, I gave a couple not ones. So should I give you my honorable mention quick? Yeah, before we wrap up. Yep. 
All right, this one might be spicy too. And I am saying Patrick Mahomes in snake drafts, at least. I need to clarify that in snake drafts. You're already copping out. Come on. I will have zero Patrick Mahomes in snake drafts. It has nothing to do with what I like as a player. It has everything to do with opportunity costs. I did the whole spiel last week. Now, sorry if you didn't hear me on the mic last week. I know we had some audio issues. We spent the last two hours. That's why our stream was a little late. I spent the last two hours, you know, like really clutching and, and stopping myself from breaking other media room equipment so we could get this going. But anyway, okay, anyway, besides the point, last week, if you did not catch it, um, the top scoring quarterback has came from outside the top 10 quarterback ADP in each of the last three seasons, I believe. I believe the most recent one was Russell Wilson four, three, four years ago, something like that. And uh, the top ADP guy has not been the top scorer for, I don't know, quite a long time now, at least over that span here. So if you try to take Patrick Mahomes in the first or second round, you're just you're going to have a bad time because you're costing yourself a very, very important running back or wide receiver or hell, even a tight end. I don't know. You're costing yourself a very important running back or wide receiver. So if you're talking about fades, do not draft lists. Listen, I love Patrick Holmes. He'll he'll throw the ball a ton. This offense is the best in the league. You know, it's awesome. But uh, you just can't use a first round pick on him. So I'll, I'll drive the whole I'll drive the point home on that last note with that uh, information. Can I, can I tag uh, another qualifier onto this? You were already saying snake drafts in the back end of the first round. I'll say if it's a six points per passing league, uh, NFFC, which we use as our ADP rankings, is a six points per passing touchdown. Maybe some of you listeners out there have some weirder standings or weirder scoring settings. If it is like rewarding for touchdowns, I'm okay uh, with Mahomes being a late first or early second guy, as opposed to like Lamar Jackson years past all the mm-hmm. rushing yard totals, but he didn't throw as many passing touchdowns. I do think Mahomes has a, has a very good chance, especially with that improved offensive line. So long as Tyreek Hill is healthy. We talked about the top of the hour, Travis Kelsey, those type of guys. Um, I, I think it's a very good possibility that Mahomes once again is near the top of the standings in terms of passing touchdowns. And I'm fine with that. But if it is a standard ESPN scoring standard, Yahoo scoring four points per passing touchdown, I'm right there with you, Jake. And I, I completely agree. I'm I'm just not drafting any quarterback, Mahomes or otherwise, well, back into the first round, second round. You know, and I refer to our high stakes partners at the NFFC quite a bit here, but I believe it's six points for passing touchdowns there, right? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, NFFC. Yeah. So even then, in a format like that, his AD, Mahomes ADP is 26. So just don't listen to anyone that's going to have you take him in the first round. Yeah. I'm right there with you on that one. So that does it for us in the RotoWire NFL podcast. Again, sponsored by Wind, uh, Wimbet. We'll have Jeff on with his roulette of guests Wednesday. Mario and John do a great job of breaking down the inaction reports on Thursday. And then we have the DFS prep, getting you set for DFS season uh, with the guys over on the Friday edition of the show. Stick around for uh, at least the RotoWire podcast. And certainly next week we'll have Hopefully, maybe some auction prep we talked about or some other stuff too. So yeah, we got plenty uh, of ideas. We can work it out. Get us on Twitter with your different uh with your different ideas. Anything that you want to hear about as a novice or an expert fantasy player, um, we'd be happy to hear you. We could always use suggestions here for this early in the year because geez, we've got still three or four shows here before before we get to the bread and butter, the waiver wire show. So waiver uh, show, yep. yep. And don't forget the link. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rotowire.com slash try for a free 10-day trial. You can get access to the software if you are ahead of your drafts. Look at those ADP rankings, all the great news and notes. And uh, I don't know about you, Jake, but I've been having to write thousands of outlooks now as we're getting uh, towards the end of that 
uh, portion of the season, mm -hmm. getting you all set. World of Warriors got you covered. It's not just NFL. I also do a lot of NBA stuff. We're in the, the throngs of free agency right now. The Lakers have signed approximately 35 All-Stars. So I got fight week this week. It's pay-per-view. Yes. So I'm going to be back here streaming with uh, with John Littering tomorrow at about the same time here so we can talk some little cage fighting. And, yeah, we got everything for you here at Road to Wire. Our NFL team's going all the way down to the last IDP starters as far as projections-wise. So if you oh, get I've a sub you uh, get an app. String, yeah. Seven-string uh, Chargers cornerbacks at this point. Yeah, yeah the, the depth tough. of the coverage is uh, pretty much – I mean, it's literally as deep as you can go. Yeah, agreed. All right, well, again, thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, hopefully tune in next week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.